Over 40 years have passed and the PA profession is still looking for recognition. The ability to say, I am a physician assistant, and not have to follow with an explanation of what that means. What needs to be done to increase the public awareness of the physician assistant role in healthcare? You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, your host, and with me today is Jim Cauley, physician assistant, professor of healthcare science, and the director of the PA and PH program in the School of Medicine and Health Science at the George Washington University, Washington, D.C. Hi, Jim. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Lisa. Jim, there's a reason for the lack of knowledge about the PA profession. Will you fill us in about that? Well, there are many reasons, actually, and some of them have to do with historical factors like from the 1970s and 1980s. Ironically, there was a lot of research done on the PA profession because it was brand new at that point. There was funding available, which is always uh, important for research work. The irony is that a lot of the questions were answered and answered very positively and, and to the satisfaction of many. And it led to a drop-off of activities in the 90s and in the past decade. Also, there's been a lack of funding on the part of federal government and philanthropy to do research. There are also manpower factors, such as we don't have enough PA researchers, PA faculty members with PhDs, uh, and those kinds of things that also contribute to the current circumstance. Well, over the last few years, there's been a professional cry for more research, and there seems to have been a positive response. The AAPA um, had a recent research summit. Tell us about that. The AAPA is now, I think, responding, and we're very pleased to see this. And I think that the leadership of the academy and the executive staff now realize that this is very important for our future. And last week, they sponsored and conducted a research summit where about 50 persons from uh, the PA profession and outside of the PA profession gathered to discuss this entire topic, including uh, vital questions such as, how do we fund research projects? Where does the funding come from? And the other important agenda item was to set priorities. What are some of the more important things that we need to take a look at and, and research? And what were those priorities? Well, in general, the need is for better studies that look at PA performance, particularly PA performance when it comes to patient care outcomes. Do practices that employ PAs do a a better job, and what is the job that they do in terms of reducing the complications, treating people in a more efficient way, parameters such as the hemoglobin A1Cs or blood pressure uh, readings, et cetera, et cetera, all the measures that one would look at to assure better patient outcomes. That certainly was one area. Other areas included uh, looking at the numbers of PAs in the workforce. And then interestingly, one area that we're involved with is projecting the number of PAs factoring in attrition. You know, we're reaching the point where we're going to start seeing PAs retire and pass away and we're going to start losing more persons than we've seen in the PA profession, which is still a relatively young profession. We don't know the retirement patterns of PAs. So that's another area, I think, of interest and was discussed at this meeting. So tell us, why is this important? Why does it matter? We need to demonstrate our presence and our effectiveness in the healthcare system. Because as we know, you know, there's lots of providers out there, 
There's a number of other medical providers, family physicians, nurse practitioners, certified nurse midwives. Our scope of practice sometimes overlaps. And I think that, that if we're going to be vital players in the healthcare delivery system, which I think we are, we have to put ourselves out there. We have to demonstrate our effectiveness and demonstrate that we are excellent clinicians and that some of the sort of the, I don't know, claims is the right word or some of the descriptors that we have heard and heard our own professions, organizations use about us, we need to prove those. You know, sometimes there's myths that get perpetuated. For example, do PAs really spend more time with patients? Or is that just some sort of myth from the old school that has been passed down? We don't know for sure. That's a good question. We hear that a lot. We do. What are some of the important topics that we know very little about regarding PAs in clinical practice and their contributions? Content of care are one of the biggest areas. We're really very fuzzy about what it is that PAs do in practice, what procedures they perform, for example. How do they manage patients? Do these patterns, for example, of how PAs treat a given disease, do they mirror that of the physician or do PAs do things a little differently than do their employing physicians? Do PAs insert or interject or include elements of prevention or wellness that perhaps their physician employers don't do? Another area of interest is do PAs who work in specialty practices provide primary care? Do they take care of the diabetes and the hypertension for the patient who has an orthopedic problem? Or do they simply do what their orthopedic surgeon, employer, supervisor does? We know very little about, you know, the sort of day-to-day nitty-gritty aspects of PAs and what they do. And that's just one sort of major bucket. You know, other buckets involve PA satisfaction with their own careers. We think that it's good. We see some surveys that suggest that PAs are very satisfied with their current jobs and with their choice of careers. There's work to be done in that area. And then another big bucket, I think, is economics. We don't know a lot about the economics of PAs and PA practices. We know their services get reimbursed, and we know that many of them are salaried. But beyond that, we don't know the sort of the financial trail, and and we don't know details about how PAs can enhance a practice's economic picture or an institution's economic picture. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Jim Colley, physician assistant, professor of healthcare science, and the director of the PAMPH program in the School of Medicine and Health Science at the George Washington University, Washington, D.C. And we're discussing the importance of PA publication. So, Jim, publishing more information and doing more research about PAs is important for everyone in the profession. So who should be stepping up right now? Should it be our PA national state organizations? Should it be the PA who shows up at their primary care job? Should it be our educators? I mean, whose role is this to lead this push? All of the above. But I think the professions organizations do have a a leadership role to play. And we've seen that demonstrated by the Academy last week. I think the Academy is now ready to do it. 
But the individual PAs and academe also certainly play a big role. More and more PA programs and their faculties are now reaching the stage where the educational mission is now well established and that the traditional role of research in an academic program is starting to really blossom. Several programs now have full-time faculty members with the title Director of Research. More and more PA faculty are on tenure streams, which provides them the incentive to do research. And I think for the individual PA, what I would suggest to that person is that if you are surveyed or contacted about a survey or participation in a research project, by all means do so. You're contributing to the knowledge base of our profession, and uh, usually it doesn't take a lot of time donation to do that. We need the entire profession to really be in support of expanding what we know about PAs and supporting the profession in a large sense. Let's go back to faculty members. Other professions, faculty members are required to do original clinical research. Has that not been the case in the PA profession? Not always. As I suggested, there were long periods of time where the support for a PA profession or PA program was tenuous and where the mission of the program was primarily to educate PA students. And there was not a lot of activities that faculty engaged in with regard to research. And that, I think, thankfully, is changing. But one of the issues is still, for example, if we contrast our profession with physicians, there's lots of money out there from the NIH and other government sources to do biomedical research. PAs sometimes have a difficult time tapping into that. And there are not a lot of PA-specific sources of funding for PA research. That's something that we have to work on. That's a challenge. All right, so now let's take it back to the individual PA, and let's just let's simplify it and try to break it down. You know, you've spent your entire career doing this type of work, and you look at things differently. I'm a PA. Let's say I'm in a primary care practice, and I work with NPs or nurse midwives, and I think I have a great opportunity here to do a study. What do I do now? How big does it have to be? Who do I talk to? How do I get started? I've never done a study. So how do we get people involved who have never worked in this environment before? Well, for that person, using the example that you gave, I would say to that person that they need some partners. They need other partners with experience in these kinds of things from the clinical world, and they probably need some partners from the academic world, persons that know health services research, who know about doing surveys or performing various types of health services research. This day and age, much like clinical care, doing research is a team effort it really is impractical and pretty much impossible for one person to be a solo operator in in this kind of endeavor. And I think that logically it would be for that PA to seek out expertise. And then the challenge would be, where do you get the funding? Because research is not cheap. It takes a lot of funding to do really significant pieces of research. Are there any PA organizations that you can reach out to? Well, obviously the Academy and to some extent, the Physician Assistant Education Association. They co-sponsor a small grant program. It has been underway for a number of years where there's about $20,000 available annually in support of, obviously, smaller projects. Uh, We need more of those, and we need to expand the existing ones. But the professions organizations have been reminded of these issues, and again, they have stepped up 
but we need to go further. So what research is currently taking place in the PA profession? Well, there's a lot of folks, particularly persons who are on faculty in PA programs, they're working toward their PhDs. And these folks, I think, are vital for the future for PA research. And again, they tend to be survey research projects, meaning that they create questionnaires and survey practicing PAs where the data is self-reported, again, looking at a variety of characteristics, either practice patterns or quality of care, content of care, and some of the things that you can get at when you're doing surveys. And what are you currently involved in? Well, one of our projects is looking at the projections of the number of PAs, which is turning out to be challenging. My colleague, uh, Rod Hooker, and I have been developing models where we look at the output of PA programs, that is the supply, and then we project that supply over the next 10 to 20 years. Then what the difficulty is, is factoring in attrition. And because we don't have an actual history or evidence of how many PAs retire at what time, we are engaging in some modeling where we're trying to figure out what is going to be the attrition. In the end, once we get those two pieces of the equation figured out, we can say that in a given year, for example, the year 2020, there will be X numbers of PAs in the workforce. And other medical organizations, particularly physician organizations, and particularly those interested in primary care, they're very interested in knowing that. They know how many physicians that we can probably expect in the workforce, and they want to know what the contribution of the PA profession is going to be. So, Jim, what are your hopes for PA research 10 years from now? My hope is that the enterprise can be considerably expanded, and I think that it's going to take money to do it. There are PAs out there who want to engage in these kinds of activities. There's more and more PAs getting their PhDs. There's more and more PhDs in health services research who are interested in studying PAs. But all three of those groups are going to require sources of funding. To some degree, there may be funding available through the federal government. There may be funding through a pharmaceutical industry. But it's going to take that high level of support to get this job done. That's where I'd like to see things going, is expansion and full funding support. Thank you, Jim, for coming on the show. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for this opportunity. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And we thank you for listening.